Episode 205 of the Bevan James Oil Show, an interview with world-class fitness professional, Joel Lee Glassman. Alrighty, team, welcome along to episode 205 of the Bevan James Oz Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Uh, today I've got an interview with a world-leading fitness professional, a lady by the name of Jolie Glassman. She kind of specialises in boxing um, and it's just someone who's been in the game for a long time and it's, it's very much just a chat with two fitness professionals and her sharing some insight around what it takes to be successful with fitness. So I'll be putting that interview on pretty soon. Uh, I do want to say I had a massive amount of feedback about my last episode. Uh, it, it was quite mind-blowing. Um, the amount of people who got in contact and just said, whatever you did, well, whatever I did in that last episode really hit a note with you guys. So it's really nice to hear that it hit a note. Um, and, and for some people, uh, it seemed like it helped them have some deeper reflection uh, which is really valuable. Uh, one thing I am discovering is I've worked through, so if you haven't listened to the old ep- last episode, go back and listen to it. It's just talking about how I'm going through a time of change. Um, and it's interesting because I'm now in this moment where I'm kind of doing, trying to do the work with the change. And, uh, you know, there's, it's kind of, it is an unknown terrain in front of me. And there's things I'm having to learn and things I'm having to develop myself in. And, uh, and there's a little bit of doubt that comes with that and a little bit of mystery uh, but for me, I'm, I'm actually quite excited by that because I, I do believe in my ability to grow. I do believe my over, my ability to overcome adversity. Um, but it is an unknown time. And I, and I suppose that was kind of the message of that last episode. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, and particularly if you are thinking about some change in your life, it's probably one that can add value to in your life. I'm going to get pretty much straight into the interview of Jolie right now, but I do want to say a big thank you to all the patrons. If you are a patron of the Bevan James Isles show, thank you so much. If you're not a patron, you can just go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on podcast, and then you'll see within there, there's a section where it says support me, you will support the show. Uh, just go there, and then that way you can become a patron of the show. Now, when you become a patron, you get a cool Bevan James Isles show nickname, and these are some of the people who have got the nickname. Miss Scott McMillan, and he's a lead belly. We've got Charlotte, the music to the world bell. We've got Real Street Fighter Bronco. We've got Josh, complete grit, Alice. We've got Sabrina, the number one pick. Her last name's Pick. And we've got Ruth, on fire, new stud. So if you want to become a patron, just go to Bevan James Isles. You donate as little or as much as you want to the podcast each time I release an episode. And for those people who are patrons, maybe I didn't name your name today, but you are absolute bloody rock stars so thank you for the patrons of the show anyway uh let's get into the interview here is jolie right now Right, Tim, welcome to the show, uh, Jolie Glassman. She's a fitness professional who's been in the game for a very, very long time, 30 years in the game, which is interesting because when we think about fitness, it's a tough game to survive in. Um, I'm sure you've seen that, Jolie, that, you know, there's so many people who want to be in the industry uh, and just don't survive because it's a pretty tough game. And so, you know, to be 30 years in the game is a pretty massive achievement. So welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. So excited. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a good place to start. What, what got you into fitness, you know, all that time ago? 
So I got into fitness because when I was a little kid, I was last and I hated being last. And the last kid around the, the track had to run again. I was probably about nine years old and I still had my mouth back then, just not my athletic abilities. And I would be like, that's so stupid. Why do you make the last person run again? I'm the worst. <laughs> and I just hated being last. I was like, I'm never going to be last again. And ever since I was a little kid, I was just run by not wanting to be last. I've done a lot of personal development work where the last doesn't hold me. I just, I'm not going to be last. I don't have to be first is my point, which is nice. <laughs> so I keep going. It's interesting, as a, even as a kid at nine years old, that became a motivator, not a just like a, something that pushed you away from exercise. Because a lot of kids who have that last experience kind of quit on exercise forever. So you learn from non-example and example. And embarrassment is a very strong emotion that carries over time if you don't mm. deal with it. And I didn't like the feeling. I didn't want to be last. And I didn't want to be. And of course, stacking throughout life, I got to continue to stack because when I'd go to the gym with my mom as a kid, I always thought women in their 40s that were strong were so beautiful. I loved looking at strong. I would find strong, look for strong. When I, I would classify reality in weak versus strong. So I always seeked strong. And for me, if I wasn't seeking strong, I was getting weak. Oh, really? So, yeah. And then went my life of really teaching strong. And I taught in prisons and lockdowns and detention centers and really bring movement to people because of the importance in every area of your life, as you know, that movement does. So I teach kids through movement. I wish schools were in movement, you know, to sit down and have to learn at a desk and read stupid crap is like boring and makes them hate it. So we use punishment, you know, we use burpees for punishment in my class. And if they mess up 20 burpees, you know, incorporate it all, which is great. You got to have a tough mind, strong, emotional intelligence. And for me, fitness is what gave me my emotional intelligence. Really, so was it always, going, always going to be a fitness career? Was that always the aim, even as, as like a young adult? Like what was the, what, what got you started? Never. So what got you started? Never fitness? a fitness career. You know, it's funny, right? We put in the universe what we want and eventually it manifests. So I didn't want, I taught, I was a school teacher. So I really mm -hmm. loved teaching. I was, I loved, I was an elementary school teacher. Then I went to high school. I taught in detention centers. I taught in prisons and lockdowns and my technique was anti-bully. So I taught in really, really bad schools and I'd say, okay, you want to fight? No one jump in. And I would facilitate it. I would let the kids fight. So my direction was always education. And me as a business owner, I classify myself more as a teacher. And my success as a business owner is because I'm a teacher. And I would teach fitness after school because teachers didn't make such good money. So and I loved I always tell people I am fit because of music. So music keeps me going. I love playing my music. I love getting in my zone. I'm addicted to endorphins. And I like I like to have what I want at all times. And a teacher's salary was not cutting it. So I taught aerobics after school and then went my life. I tell people when you stay in action and you keep doing what you love and collecting things you love, I was so blessed to organically and not forcefully, organically and intentionally create a melding of it all. So now I have this kids and I have a kid's charity and I have the boxing and my boxing gym is it, it unfolded organically, you know, it was, and Muhammad Ali did birthdays there. Will Smith trained for the Ali movie there. And we have Roberto Duran retired in my gym and Bocha, so much history 
but, but I say, when you stay in the game and you immerse yourself in it, you start stacking and that's what chasing mastery and building mastery is all about. So is that why you have such so, longevity? That's why I have such longevity. Yeah. And it's also because I love it. I serve and I live to serve and I love to teach. So when I'm teaching and I see, and you know, you get instantaneous results when you get people in movement and it's like their face lights up, everything, everything is better, rainbows in the sky. So it's the service in it. It's the joy in it. Even today, this guy was like, no, really, you changed my kid's life. And it's not like it's a less magnitude because he says it. And I'm like, I know 23 years. This is well, my gym's 20. I have my gym 23 years. I know we have families. They bring their kids. They get married. They have kids. They come back. They have their kids. So it's a beautiful thing because you see transformation in motion and in instantaneous. You know, you know, people walk in to a place. The first thing you see is they get a haircut or their clothes are on straighter. Or their skin looks like a little more glow to them. So it's not the results. People go in like, oh, I want to lose weight or I don't have the time and all that crap we hear around it. And little do they know what they get when they stick with it. Right. Yeah. And it's that easy. It's that easy. Like you said, this is the question here. How do you stay in it? It's a hard work. But I think. Being lazy is hard work. I think everything's hard work. So pick your poison. You know, it's like, to me, lazy, slow doctor's office, sitting in a waiting room. I want to die. I never want to do that. Yeah. So I chase health. So you, you work with kids a lot um, and you've worked, seems like you've worked with troubled kids, which is interesting. So, you know, there's a lot of parents out there nowadays, um, you know, and I think it's, it is more challenging for parents nowadays because A, we tend to be more time poor, B, devices are attractive and kids want to spend time on devices and, and it's not just your phones, it's your, your playstations and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I don't want to be the curmudgeon because I think, you know, that's a part of a kid's life nowadays. Um, but it does you know, the idea of movement in life is a really challenging thing. So I suppose a question for someone who's worked with kids so much is what would be your advice to parents to help them develop a movement love in their kid's life? Especially, and especially if they've got a kid who's, you know, because some kids are naturally going to like movement, but especially if they've got children who don't have that innate kind of want to move. So I love putting people in things they love and things they like and things they want to do. So first of all, you definitely have to find an area that they like. They can't just have no movement. There's games with movement. I just got the Oculus. I'm moving all over the place. You punch all over. You could do all this stuff. So the kids could definitely be in movement at all times. Um, and they're overweight and they're eating bad food and they go on antidepressants and they're on all these pills. Like I'm in the U S where it's like a lot mm -hmm. of pills are given out to these kids and it's crazy. They asked me for energy drinks at 12. And so how do you go about it? And my gym, that doesn't happen. No energy. That's crazy. You're going to drop into 20 burpees. You can have some energy. <laughs> so <laughs> things in motion, stay in motion. So you just do it. We're like scared straight, but very nice. So I advise the parents, you know, you're the parent. This is how it goes. And let your kid do what they like. Don't put them in something they don't like. You got to like inspire them and keep moving the carrot forward. My kids love it. So, and if they don't love it, I tell the parent, like, this is not the sport for your kid. <laughs> yeah. So help them find, help them find a, a movement style they like and be supportive and um, committed to their cause. Exactly. Exactly. Even in the learning, like in the, like, I'm all about child labor now. I'm like, kids need to learn and start working young. You know, they're smart. They come out of the womb. They're smart. They're playing with the gadgets. It's like, 
put them in what they're good at. And instead of taking it away because they're going to have it anyway, let them make a profit, make a living out, serve, contribute. What are you going to do with it? You're like do something with it. You can't just take it away. When you take something away, they're going to want it more. Yeah. So when you encourage them to be strong, weak is not fun. It's, it's not fun. That's an interesting point, that one, isn't it? Because it's that whole, you know, if you take the thing that they're attracted to away is a, is a thing to get them moving, you're kind of punishing them. And then, then exercise becomes the, the bad thing in their head, isn't it? Is that, you know, like it's, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's that kind of, yeah. you punish them for the with the thing that they love to try to get them to do yeah. something you think is good for yeah. them. Yeah. It works against yeah. them. But sports is a beautiful thing. I mean, there's some sport that a kid's going to like. I mean, put them in swimming for all you got to do. Something that they like. And when they do something well and that they do well, they'll find other things. It's, you know, like attracts like, it'll expand. Where focus goes, energy flows. It's going to grow. You can't think- put them in stuff they don't like because a negativity grows. Yeah. I was just think two other things we could probably add on top of this is – um find great coaches for your kids because you know it's like you know like um, it seems like you love have that passion for helping kids and all the rest of it and so if someone were to choose someone like you that's a really good choice because you've got someone who's has the skills has the desire and the want to actually help the kids and also has the understanding of you know creating a social environment for kids you know creating an, an inviting environment you know and, and sometimes we just kind of do whatever's local but maybe it's spending a bit of time doing some research into okay my kid wants to try boxing um what would actually be the best boxing coach for a kid in this area that, that can help that kid kind of feel a belonging that will actually keep them attracted to the environment So while we're in different areas, so what's most important is caring, that they're really caring and they are interested in, I can't say, I love teaching teachers. So my whole life, I like teaching teachers how to teach because teachers always want to point the finger that my kids don't understand. My kids are failing. But who are you being as a teacher that has your kids failing? Right. Mm. So it's what's a good teacher is a good teacher. So you be there, go watch your kid, take class, see how your teacher is. Are they instructing them? Are they empowering them when they bring them down? Are they pulling them back up? Are they growing? How are the results? Is your kid changed? We send our kids back. The parents are like licking our, they're like this with us mm. to the point where I said to my trainer today, you know, cause of COVID and getting locked down and all of that. And I'm not good with rules that don't make sense. And now I'm looking to, so we said, how did my life get here? Now I want to really melt it all where I create, I'm looking for land where I just create a space of like an educational movement amusement park where it's just fun because my gym is really fun for parents and kids and the kids come and the parents come and it's not like, Oh, the kids are here. Oh, the parents are here. It's not like that. It blends. It's very community. It's like a youth center. Dogs are there. I don't, you bring your alligator if it behaves. I don't care. Like we all play nice. If you don't play nice, get out the door. That's what a boxing gym is. And I want it to be learning because that's what ours is. And really, my belief is when you make a kid strong and confident and know their self-worth and have coping skills, they don't need to learn crap. They don't need World War II history. They can Google and find out whatever they know. They need to start working, find out what they like, chase their dreams early. I don't know what the system is, is like waste time, waste time, waste time, waste time, waste time, waste time. You're 18. You don't know what you want to do because you just wasted time for 18 years. Now you got to like dump into this maybe college. Things are changing and the education hadn't been acclimating with the changes. It's still so archaic to sit down at desk, no talking. Now with the social distancing, it's like crazy. These kids need to be together. They need to socialize, connect, 
even in the virtual world. It's like you play the games. It's kind of weird, right? They haven't connected where you could be with your friend in the virtual game. You're like you alone in the world. Mm. So it's interesting. You know, I had a kid study me the other day. He goes, I love making kids talk because it's crazy. What you think is going to come out of their mouth is not what comes out of their mouth. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I was playing and my mind told me to stay on another 30 minutes. It's totally started, like these birds, they have them like stepped. I go, your mind told you? <laughs> like, where were you at the time? Like, where were you when your mind was telling you something? What else is your mind going to tell you? And that's pretty crazy that they're, that's what's needed for the upbringing is mindfulness, like meditation, centering, balance, coping skills, communication, honor, integrity, those virtues. And then the learning, who cares? Google is available. Um, just that kind of that kind of expanding that question out to adults, what do you think are the attributes that somebody should be looking for when choosing a fitness professional? I would say their their experience, not their certification. You can get any certification. I've been on good ones. I've been on bad ones. And not to say they're not good. There's value in them because there's value in any education because you're going to pick up something from anything. But I say immersion. My skill that I would say why someone would pick me is I've been so injured. So I had a motorcycle accident. I herniated 11 discs. I've done tons of meditation and tons of healing naturally without meds. Not to say I'm healed. I think we all teach what we're seeking. So I'm seeking the healing naturally like Joe Dispenza does, like the miracle and foam rolling and trigger point. But I'm so advanced and extreme in what I have that I help people heal so quick and they're like, oh, my knee. And they think they need like ACL or whatever. And I teach them trigger point and foam rolling and all of that. So I think it's important that they find someone experienced in life. That's like you, you started this conversation that it's so hard to go the journey. So you see these people, when I see someone 60 and they're fit and it's not their like African genetics that they're lucky as hell because they got such good muscle. I'm like, you know, you know what it takes. It's hard, nonstop. There is not one Motorversity YouTube video that you watch with any of those inspiring lesbians, whoever you watch, that doesn't have like boxing or someone fitness, someone jumping rope or punching something. And that's where it comes from. It's the grit. Mm. So it solves so much. It's funny. One of my members posted yesterday, boxing solves everything. And it does. It does. Everywhere you go, there you are. And whatever your mastery is, you don't have to do boxing. Maybe you find the joy in golf and that's where everywhere you go, there you are, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all about pushing yourself past your limits and dealing with yourself and facing yourself. And if you don't push yourself, you're never going to deal with yourself. And so ultimately you want to find somebody who has that kind of walk that path and understands, understands the path and also understands how to guide someone like you on that path. Yeah. You'd be like, holy shit, I want what they have. Like I'm following Joe Dispenza because I'm like, wow, he fixed his back with zero with his brain meditating. So I follow him. Mm -hmm. So now someone wants to follow me if they think like I'm great. I'm like morning routine, choosing. I'm very on it. Like 30 years in strong fitness and I have injuries and I heal and I recover. They're not hiring. I'm not for hire anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> but I'm saying a trainer like me is 
someone who can really teach. I'm for hire for the group. Like I like training groups and I don't want to trade my time for one person. So I really like to motivate and inspire to you do it. If I train you for a week, I want to dump so much information and knowledge that's going to fit into your life and be pragmatic in your life that you're going to do it. So I watch you and I wean you off. I'm your training wheels. And then I just get off. I'm done. And that's it. I like people that want to do it themselves. I'm going to motivate you till you get it. Yeah. I'm a bit like you as a, as a fitness professional because I I, I I don't really in fitness coaching I don't like well, it's not, I just don't want to do one on one I'm like yeah I like groups so I like groups of people why do you think groups are so important and um, why do you think people should think more maybe group than the individual experience so first of all transformation happens in the sharing so the value of group is beautiful magic happens in the sharing transformation happens in the sharing people learn from other people. There's a distinction, I am you, you are me, right? So exactly what you're going to say that you're going through is going to be like something I'm going through. So there's so much value in the group and it's a win-win and I'm all about the win-win and I don't want to trade my time and really pour my soul into one person when I can pour my soul into 30 people and then have them synergistically ripple effect then go share it, then leave. Now they're happy. Now they're happy. Now they're excited and you know, energy travels. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's all about. Some people like one-on-one. It's okay. Some people need it. They're just, that's what Nietzsche's is all about. Some people want that babysitter because that's what one-on-one's all about. And they want one. Who cares what we're both saying right now, that the value and the community and the transformation, Mm -hmm. they want one, come to my house, 11 o'clock, I I get on the train. So good. I'm not your trainer. Even if you want to pay me like crazy money, it's not what I like. I Mm -hmm. I don't want to do it. I don't want to trade for you. Mm -hmm. I'll take your family. And how do you, as a, as a fitness professional, how do you, what do you focus on to create a successful group? What do I focus on to create? Like what? I don't. Mm, so, so. There'd be a niche for the, there'd be a subject area. And then whoever uh, I'm attracting to the group. Well, you know, is, like, so, so what the outcome of a good group I mentioned is a sense of belonging, a sense of achievement, a sense of shared experience, a sense of um, growth. You know, there's all these kind of, when you work with a group, is this, um, this togetherness, you know, it's all these kind of things that a group can deliver. But it's, you know, like it's, uh, there's, there's many group fitness, well, you know, when you see a great group fitness instructor, they know how to meld that all together. And so what does yeah. it, what does, what does someone of your experience, what do what you that to? Yeah, how do you get that, how do you yeah. create that? What, what's your focus to yeah. create that? Being a really good teacher. So I'll give you some tips. Uh, I mean, I'll give you some ideas, not you tips, but ideas of what creates that. And I'm very, one of my strengths is includer. So on a strength finder test, and I include everybody. I know everybody's name. Everybody is welcomed. Everybody's been touched. Fit mentally, I, everything. I know who you are. I know if you have experience. I know your background. I already asked you a shitload of questions because I want to know who's in my room. That's what I teach teachers to teach when they teach class. It's like, how dare you have a kid in your room for a year and you don't know like what they eat for breakfast, what they go home to, who their friends are, who their parents are. Are they married? Did they get divorced? How long they've been living here? When did they move? Pair share. Like they got to get to know each other. You're going to build a bond with people. You don't even know each other. And then you're going to discipline someone and tell me to go sit down. And I don't even know you. Don't tell me to sit down. You know, it's like, I'm not going to take direction from you until you see me, you hear me, you notice me, you acknowledge me. So those are the ingredients that I deliver that people feel really welcome, acknowledged, noticed. It's like the whole Black Lives Matter thing, you know, it was like, exact, people want to be noticed. People don't, people want to be 
nobody wants to be left out. Just like when I was a kid and I was last, just like I'm so grateful I have that includer strength because people want to be included. And if they disclude themselves, it's the fear of not being included. It's a good feeling. So, so for you, there's a commitment that you bring that respects the need to, to make everyone feel the unknown. Yep. And then I know them. And then I back it up by when I deliver certain results and correct their form or go, remember, you said your foot was like that. Don't do that. Or when they come back because it's repetitive because you grow the group, I go, oh, 11 o'clock on Saturday now. That was good for you because you go to the doctor every day. At the chiro- I know their life. I don't mm. have to ask anything anymore. I tell them who they are. <laughs> now I'm like, uh, no, you don't. Saturday, that's where you go. And they'll go, whoa, no. Well, I actually changed it. And then I divulge more information. So it's all in the questions and it's all in the knowing and it's better to be interested than interesting. So mm. it's all about them. I'm there for them. I'm not there for me. So mm. that commitment and my openness and availability and honor of gratitude of serving them is what has them all pull through. That's what means being in the listening of others. You know, I get in that listening so well that I hear you. You don't even have to speak up. I see you. I did my NLP master practitioner license. So, and I have a master's in behavior. So I, I happen to, that is my superpower. That is my little superpower. I see if you're disempowered. I see if you're not having a good day. I see if you're something's what happened or I see, are you eating better? Your skin's more glowing or I see every little detail and I teach boxing. Boxing, that's all about the details. With um, regards to one, one thing that, you know, people, people often invest in a fitness professional or a gym or something and, and ultimately they want a result. And, um, and sometimes there's this, uh, they almost want a miracle cure um, in, in that uh, they, they kind of hope that if they can get to the gym three times a week, their whole life's going to change. And the thing about a fitness professional is they only get a, a, a mute amount of time in your week. Um, and in that time, they obviously are trying to make change and create good habits and all the rest of it. But a lot of the work that needs to be done is what happens when you're not with your fitness professionals. Um, how do you make sure, how do you help people be successful in things like new diet and things like, um, the, the you know, rest you know those little strategies that actually are really important outside of the time they're going to spend with you in the training that you provide so that's why i like to help the group i love immersion i love doing what works for them i love finding out what they're doing right now like even today this guy you know you don't know what you don't know and he thought like oh i'm losing weight i gotta get in shape so i said tell me what a day in the life of day we looks like you know i wanted to know what a day in the life looks like and then we discovered you know he's picking up the intermittent fasting and he's picking up he's trying to eat less and not eating the carbs at night he's starting with rice i was like no no you're not gonna start your day with rice it's not how you're waking up so it's little things that they go, oh, and then they like it. Or maybe they like to juice or, you know, picking little things that they hold themselves accountable to. But it, it depends what what you're asking them to hold themselves accountable or what the goal is or what they want. Like you said, three times a week. Well, I tell you, you're going to work out twice a week, you're going to quit. Like, that's so retarded. You're going to brush your teeth twice a week? So I just get really real with people. Like, you are overweight. How much longer do you want to be like that? Like, you just told me you're overweight and you're telling me you don't have time. So for me, this is a weird conversation because you're coming to me and complaining and telling me every reason why you can't do it. So I have really straight, my brand is Real Gym, Real People, Real Results. It's the straight talk that gives them that one-two punch and you either wake up or you keep drowning. 
<laughs> keep doing what doesn't work, you know, keep complaining and then using excuses. It's like we all have 24 hours in a day, right? <laughs> Follow people, someone that you model. How do people respond to that? Great. I'm really, that's my superpower. I'm really good at timing because they know that I love them. I really love people and I stand for them and I say it at the timing that it's being a boxer. That's the book I'm writing, Life According to the Rules of Boxing. So it's really boxing in life. It's I saw an opening to hit it at the moment and I hit it and it was moments between the notes create the music. That's my tattoo. So it's, it's, it's the rhythm of the communication and I'm intentional that they're going to leave knowing how great they are and they're going to take action or not. And I'm not their teacher because I'm not going to be their teacher if they're not taking action. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so tell me about the book. I don't know. Tell me what, what the book is and tell me what the premise is and tell me, you know, obviously it's the lessons of life from boxing, but tell, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, I'm super excited. It's called Life According to the Rules of Boxing. I have 101 rules. So it was really about, so my story was that my principal would always tell me, Glassman, you got to do lesson plans. And I would say, I do lesson plans after the teaching comes from the speaking. And I used to lead introductions for the Landmark Forum. So you learn that the speaking comes from the listening. It's very organic. I love organic. So I just, uh, I just, I'm sorry. I lost it for a second where I was. Uh, the, book. <laughs> the book. Oh, okay. So, right. Life according to the word. So, I don't do lesson plans. So, I wanted to create a book where I had a curriculum that I'd use as like lesson plans for any level of any group mind. It could be for kids, it could be for adults, it could be for women, it could be for men. So, it's called Life According to the Rules of Boxing. There's 101 rules. There are things like dig deep, leave a legacy, never give up, protect yourself at all times. I mean, and then I go into like the math stuff and like, you're really like, it, everything is about staying healthy for you, right? It's like, mm -hmm. don't shove Burger King down your throat and then tell someone to put a mask on. It's like, come on, people be healthy for you. That's what namaste is. Like I honor the light of me and also in you, I'm going to do for me what I need to do for me and do for you because that's how we keep, the, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So 101 rules. Uh, when you get backed in the corner, know how to get out. My forward is being written by Muhammad Ali's ex-wife. She's like my mom. So, and I'm writing the forward to her book. And then I'm going to have a, so every rule has a famous boxer quote that goes with it. So it's really great. And then I'm going to have then what Jolie says after, and then I'm going to have a companion book. So say the dig deep rule, the companion book will have just the quote, just the rule, dig deep. And then it'll have a journal of where in your life, do you remember a time where you really dug deep and got good results? You know, it's going to be a lot of questions. That's where my brain is. Because for me, life is all about developing your skills in questioning because you're only as strong as your questions are, are, are phenomenally deep and discoverable to, for an answer, right? That's what the Bible is all about. If you ask, you shall receive. But how good is your question going to be to, to get results, to, to have you take action? So that's what the journal companion book is all about. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. It's all life according to the rules of boxing, which for me is life. Bob and weave, stick and move, you know, you give it all, lay it all on the table, never give up. It's all of that. So, um, you know, obviously it seems like you've been exposed to some pretty high level boxes in your world. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, like, so like there's, there's health and fitness and then there's elite sport and elite sports often can be unhealthy. Um, you know, we, we look at 
you know, some of the behaviors it takes to be that level person. And in some sports, it's quite extreme. And, and you know what, they're trying to be champions. And, and for that reason, they have to take risks that probably aren't that healthy. Um, but boxing does have a bit of a legacy of kind of scarred people on the other side of it. So I suppose maybe just some question. Uh, first of all, why have you learned from those real, you know, the, the best of the best in regards to what it takes to be that person? And then what have you learned from the ones who have got to the other side and haven't been scarred? Because unfortunately, boxing is one of those sports where there's a lot of people who come out the other side, pretty broken people. Um, and so, yeah, maybe just those two angles. What have you learned from the ones who have done really well and maybe just to be a high level person? And then maybe those ones who haven't done well, what insight can you gain from those? Oof, I think that's why I go back to like, what was I saying? Because there's yeah. so much to say for that. So Lennox Lewis, I love, because to say that for him, he's a fighter that really got out on the other side. Yeah. He has a kid's charity. He's like, champ, you know, he left the champion, which is great. He kept his smarts about him and kept his brains about him. And you started it with, I'm not so smart. I'm teaching mind, body, spirit, that balance, because I'm chasing balance because I'm an addict. So I'm also injured more because I'm addicted. So we get addicted. So for mm -hmm. sure, it's a we're addicted to the endorphins. It's not so healthy to overtrain. We already know it's not healthy to overtrain. It's for sure more healthy to recover a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So I get in the mirror with the people I'm training. I'm not perfect. I'm a human too. And I'm on that journey as well that I'm dealing with the addiction of, yeah, I'm obsessed with boxing. All I want to do is punch. And then you said, well, you know, like I get into it or like getting on the other side, like I only wish to be like a professional, like, like not wish. I don't want to be a pro boxer. I'm not into even women pro boxing. I think everyone should learn to fight, defend themselves, be strong every day, stronger, but not professional women boxing, getting their face bashed up. I'm not into that. I'm into like, I like the men fighting because of the anti-bully and it turns boys into men and it's in the army. And I love no one jumping in because this we're in a world of followers and boxers are not cowards. <laughs> they get in a ring no matter what. So now the people that get on the other side, right? So who are they when they started? I love Tony Robbins says they did a study on like, who's happy, the guy who wins the lottery or the guy that's, uh, I'm sorry, the paraplegic guy or the happy guy, they both win the lottery. Who's happy? The one that was happy first, right? So it matters like we, a lot of these kids where they came from. So some of them, you don't know, they're not by hungry. So they keep taking a fight. Boxing is a sport. I, I really, that's what I got to captivate the beauty of it because it's the contrast of the rich guy taking advantage of the poor guy. And, you know, the rich guy would bet on the poor kids. These kids fought for a meal. They had no money. So a lot of the famous boxers and the quotes that I use for rules they weren't getting their next meal. So they were continuing to fight and they wouldn't give up. And then also my org, there's fighters that like they're famous and then you're nobody when you get out of the ring. So Floyd Patterson talks about losing in the Muhammad Ali book. And you could almost cry the way he talks about it. It's like everyone wants to be your friend when you win and nobody wants to talk to you when you lose, you know, like everyone's a fighter in the band stage. It's, it's the, the benches, right? We're like, jab. Oh, you idiot. You didn't even punch it. People are like, no one's in here. You don't even get a break. It's the only sport. There's no breaks. Your minute break, you're getting Vaseline shoved. So the value is, no, I don't want to be a boxer. I want to be that hero in life that's like, you're freaking dying. They want like a escape door out and they're still fighting and their eyes are open in a car crash. Like, how do you keep your eyes open in a car crash? It's kind of crazy. And they, they are relaxed in a most uncomfortable position ever. Nobody can take pressure like a fighter. 
So you want to do that in life. You want to be able to take pressure, keep moving forward. You want to be able to bob and weave and slip and move. So the ones that get out on the other side, they're just boxers in the sport. They're not boxers in life. They didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't, they're like, that's like asking. It's funny when I won trainer of the year, they quoted me as saying, it's like asking the lion to teach what ferocious is. They're just the, the lion. So they weren't the one that could teach ferocious. Lennox Lewis, Mayweather, uh, Bernard Hopkins, Delahoya, they can teach boxing. So they create businesses out of it. They come out on the other side. They're not punch drunk. They went to the business side. And the other ones, you know, there's fighters, there's sparring partners. There's, it's like horse racing, right? So every purebred of a horse needs a not as good horse to beat. So you got winners, you got losers, and then you bet on them. And then there's inside jobs, right? Oh, his hands hurt. Oh, the horse's front foot. I don't know how to refer to horses, but whatever. <laughs> there's, 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 there's handicaps and then they bet on them. So, and it's one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, where do you get that other than life? That's the only place you get it. And you don't, people don't deal with it. They don't realize that everywhere they go, they are right. They use the excuses. I don't have the time. Uh, I'm going to go three times a week. So of course you have the time. I can make you sweat and die in five minutes, drop and do a hundred pushups. What is don't have the time? I think it's like the weirdest excuse ever. It's like what hilarious. You, what would you say to someone who's listening to this who isn't exercising, um, but wants to, what would you say, what would be your advice to them? I love it because that's great. Well, first of all, I'd say go on YouTube and look up something that you like, like walking. You can find walking videos. You can find running videos. You can find dancing videos. You can find anything you want, which we know, video. So I would look for like, oh, I can dance or, oh, I would do Zumba. And I would let one thing lead to another. The problem is, is if they're listening and they're really overweight, we know that fitness is then they're going to start. My knees hurt and my back hurts and it ain't a freaking easy road. Prevention's easier than correction. So you waited too long. So it's up to you if you want to keep going down that road and then you have heart disease and you have everything or you want to stop now. Know that your journey is going to be harder than mine is right now because I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm ahead of the race. Don't worry about that. You're going to start now and they got to do something. Just move. So set your timer, get five songs you like and don't stop moving until the 20 minutes are up. Dance, move your arm. They got to move. And then they'll start to get interested as they get interested. But the consistency is key. They can't have one day where they go, I don't want to do it today. No, that's not acceptable. To the, and then I want to know if they do that with brushing their teeth because they have to honor it. So nobody's going to work out and nobody is going to do it until it's a priority and a must. And it's an honor. Like, you know, it's ain't easy work. So they got to be like, my workout, my workout is in my calendar. You'd be like, you own a gym. Why do you have to, because nobody's getting into my workout. That's it. It's my time. So when I get like almost violent about it, like it's my time, <laughs> like, no, it's for me. I need, I can't serve you until I give myself my time to serve me. Who's serving me? Um, just lastly, you know, often, you know, we're in a very fortunate position that people come to us for help. But, you know, I often think that when you're a leader, you get seen as a bit of a superhero uh, in a way that people think we're perfect, which we've, no one is. Uh, what's the thing that you struggle with and how do you work on improving in that area yourself? Funny you say that. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm a great teacher is because I, I don't want to say throw myself under the bus with them, but I get in the mirror with them and I let them know I'm struggling too. And these are my areas I'm struggling. And I struggle in the stretching, the recovery, because I love the hard part and I love the boxing and I love the punching and I want to go in for the hard part. So I struggle with that. 
Um, I've struggled in the past with night eating. So then I, I teach people like, you know, I got into tapping and NLP and loving my inner child and I don't eat at night anymore. So those are things, but I shared like, so I had an episode two years ago where I couldn't move. I couldn't even get off the floor. They wanted me to have fusion surgery. And I would share with people, I was singing karaoke to get off my floor. And they're like, Oh, you're in pain too. Or I share with them. Like, I don't want to freaking work out. They think like, when you work out, you love it. I'm like, no, no, no. We love it after. We don't love it like before. You don't like, I don't go like, I'm so motivated. I'm going to the gym. They think like people that, yeah, sometimes, but there's many times I'm like, I don't want to freaking train. But if I, I'm, but I, I don't want to brush my teeth sometimes. And I'm not brushing my teeth. That's like ludicrous. So that's what I say. There's no exceptions to not doing it and create your own parameters. Maybe you want to say, I'm only going to work out five days a week. Good. Whatever you say, you have to honor it. Your words, honor your word. Ha set yourself up for success though. Say, I'm not going under two days a week. I don't need to go over six days a week and have a range that keeps you in the game, not pulling out of the game. Like I'm going to work out every day. I have people that come to the gym, right? You know, I'm going to work out every day. No, you're not. This is the first time you're inter introducing this habit in your whole life. So what happens when you don't do it? What's going to happen? What's the consequence? You know, so I, I like to build those scenarios for people. So they set themselves up for success because people are in their own way and they sell themselves out and then they have an excuse, but really it was because they didn't have integrity. They didn't honor their word. Mm -hmm. integrity is very important. Uh, so, so if, um, people want to follow you and where will they get the book and stuff? So give us the plug. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I have to keep telling everyone about the book because that's my accountability to sit yeah. there and finish it. But by the end of the year, it's going to get published. So it'll be Life According to the Rules of Boxing. And to follow me is Jolie Glassman. I'm on Instagram everywhere. So every, everywhere. Okay. And then my gym, South Beach Boxing. So I do live workouts, though, on Tuesday for free on my Facebook. I just started doing that again because, you know, like I said, I'm not a fitness trainer, but I want people to move and get up and be inspired and know that even five minutes makes a difference as long as they do it every day. And so Tuesday, every, a lot of people were asking like, oh, you because I bailed on them. I was doing it during quarantine just to just, people were people that weren't moving are really depressed. So, and who, God, who even knows with suicide rate and depression rate? And I don't even like go down that alley. So I just do it on Tuesdays at two. I put it on my Facebook live and just do a workout and do Q and A's and maybe foam rolling or contribute in some way that gets people to do something. <laughs> Move awesome. it. Hey, well, thank you so much for your time. I'll put a link to your website in the show notes. If people want to follow Jolie, you can just go there. And uh, thank you so much for your time today. Keep up the good work. Thank you. It was great to be with you. Thanks for those awesome questions. <laughs>
you're doing 5k and 10k work so for those who don't know much about running basically race pace what we're trying to do as a coach is condition somebody to the race that they're trying to achieve so if you want to do a one a two hour half marathon we want to train you so your body can do a two hour half marathon so when we do race pace work that work there is designed to get you to your body to get used to to running at the pace that you'd be doing for a two hour half marathon. But what I do in this session, it's it's kind of mid-long, so 80 minutes is kind of a mid-long run for this half marathon group. But I also chuck some 5K and 10K work in there. And the reason I do that is I want them to get a little bit fatigued and a little bit tired. And this session here worked that basically for the first 55 minutes to do a quick warm-up, then to do a little bit of race pace, a little bit of 10k, a little bit of race pace, a little bit of 5k, and then they have to do 35 minutes at race pace work. And because I've done the 5 and 10k pace work within the program, they're really tired by the time they get to the stage. And the whole message I was giving my runners today was, the reason we we do this session is you. I'm trying to get you tired, so you have to do 35 minutes at race pace, because when you're tired going into 35 minutes of race pace, you're going to experience what it's like on a race day in the last part of the race when you're getting tired, you're fatigued, and mentally you start to lose the game. And one of the things I was talking to my runners about today is as they hit this 35 minutes, I said, well, you know, you, you, you've done your, you've been running 55 minutes, you've done some hard running within that 55 minutes, and now you've got to sit at your goal pace for a long period of time. And this is like what you're going to experience in the last part of the race. And what you're trying to learn is how do you manage yourself in this challenging time. Because what we often find in a half marathon is in the last part of the race, the majority of people do not finish the race successfully. So in a half marathon, ideally what you want to do is you want to get to that last part of the race and at best be able to speed up, but at a minimal not slow down. And most people are slowing down in the last part of the race. And the reason is, is often they've gone too fast early in the race. But, but another thing is, they just, it gets to a level of being uncomfortable that they don't know how to handle. So it gets to a level where trying to maintain the same pace I've been doing all the race, or we're trying to increase my pace, is a level of being uncomfortable that these people just don't know how to handle. And so what you tend to find is for a lot of people when they get to this part of the race, is that they, they ultimately just give up a little bit. And giving up a little or a lot. So they can go to that place where they go, just get to the finish line. So let's say you've got 4Ks, 5Ks to go on the race, maybe you know 25 to 30, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of running in front of you. It gets a little bit hard. And a lot of people just go to themselves, you know what, just get to the finish line. So what they've done is they've made a disappointing decision that will tick a box, but will not give them the ultimate feeling of satisfaction at the end of the race made a disappointing decision which will help them tick a box i still finished the race i can justify that but it's not the ultimate feeling they want to have at the end of the race and what i try to teach my runners is is how do you deal with this moment like you've got 35 minutes of being uncomfortable it's a long time being uncomfortable and one of the things i was talking about with one of my runners this morning is that when we do our track session our track sessions are sets of anywhere from 30 seconds up to eight minutes maximum, but most of them are kind of between two minutes to six minutes. And these are hard, short sets. So they're really stimulating, they're really hard, but you can push for a short period of time. But a half marathon is not that race. A half marathon is a long period of time at a, a slightly uncomfortable pace, which will get more uncomfortable as you get closer to the finish. And so why am I telling you this? Well, one thing I'm trying to teach my runners is 
how to deal successfully in an uncomfortable time. What do you need to, so I think I talked to the runners today about, what do you need to think about, what are your controllables, so things like technique, things like your breathing, things like being relaxed, um, what are your motivational tools, so what are the motivational tools you use at time to keep in that place, um, what do you need to think about, so what, what's your thinking, uh, how do you embrace the challenge of the situation, how do you make sure you get to the end in a way where you feel satisfied, where you actually feel really awesome about the run that you've had this day, and this is what these kind of questions I'm throwing at these people are management questions. And I'm not I'm talking about a running analogy right now, but often in life, we we kind of are like that half marathon person who we, we go to that place where I'll just get to the finish. And one of the reasons is we just don't know how to manage uncomfortable times. We just don't know how to manage uncomfortable times. We, we take this out of running, it might be that you're on a diet and you go out to a social function and there's lots of temptation in front of you. Now that, I'll admit that's a really hard situation, but the people who are successful in that time, because it's an uncomfortable time because you have temptation in front of you, the pe- people are successful, there are versions of people out there who are successful and they're really good at managing that time. And so my kind of my last little key point before I wrap up today's show is... What times in life are you really good at managing yourself? Like this morning as I look at my runners, and I think my runners, I was really proud of my runners this morning because they managed that session really well. Um, and so when you do it well, what are the tools you use? But then in, when there are times in life when you don't manage difficult situations well and you either give in or you, you act in a way that you're ultimately slightly disappointed in yourself, how can you develop your ability to learn to manage those times better? Because that's what I was ultimately getting my runners to do today. By, by doing the type of training we've got them to do today, their bodies are going to be more conditioned, better prepared to, to achieve the goal we're hoping to, for them to achieve. But also, they've learned how to deal and manage a time that's really challenging for them. Have a think about this. Maybe you can identify one area in your life where you aren't managing so well. And then as you think about managing well, you ultimately just want to develop yourself in those times. And you won't get it right all the time. But the more times you can get opportunities to practice this, the better you will get at it. And my, my runners this morning, they dealt with that today. They've got the same session next week. They're going to come back next week and they're going to try manage with that again. And then when it comes to race day and they have 20 to 30 minutes to go, do you think these people are going to be prepared to deal with this moment? And that's what this is all about. So identify one area in your life where you aren't managing so well. Spend some time thinking about how you can develop yourself in this area. Practice, practice, practice. And then eventually you'll be someone who can manage an unsuccessful time in a much more successful way. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com, click on the p- uh, podcast section, go to support me. Uh, it really helps me do what I'm doing. Uh, also, uh, podcast reviews are a great way to support the show. Telling people in your life that, about the show is a really good way to support the show. Um, yeah, get on, get out there. Thanks for your time. And I'll see you same time, same place in a couple of weeks from now. It'll be a Bevan episode. And as always, keep being you.